segundo sol chegar Para realinhar as órbitas dos planetas Derrubando com a sombra exemplar O que os astrônomos diriam se tratar de um outro cometa Segundo sol chegar para realinhar as órbitas dos planetas, derrubando com a sombra exemplar o que os astrônomos diriam se tratar de um outro. Explicação, não tem explicação. 
Sweet. So you've been, uh, so you've been reading your journal? I have, actually. You know what's funny is I was like the worst historian ever <laughs> on my mission. Like, I know some guys are bad, but I was really bad. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, there's there's parts in here where I go like six months at a time without writing a single thing. Did you keep and track actually, of your areas and your companions at least? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Um, there's – and actually my last entry, I, I went home in January okay. – or sorry, in December of uh, 2000 – what? I don't know. 2004? Yeah, 14. Four <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, my last entry was in September. <laughs> in December so and that was basically a recap of everything that had happened in the previous six months because I hadn't written since well not six months but I hadn't written since May so you know four months so. that's great anyway that's all so, right we'll just so talk about to be quite a discussion otherwise there's not going to be much to say that's all right so but how's everything going good <laughs> Good. Where are you living? I'm in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Okay. So I'm a little a little south, but very high altitude. So yep. it's desert, but snowy and all that good stuff. Yeah, my last one was with a uh, picket, and he's in mm-hmm. Albuquerque. Yeah. So not not far. I'm like an hour from him, and then um, what's interesting is when it rains in Albuquerque, it's snowing here. Yeah. Just because the altitude change, so it's been cool though. I've I've only been here out here about six months now, so <laughs> been all over the place. So I haven't seen you since uh, what Nova Natal in yeah in somewhere. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, I maybe saw you. Did I ever see you after you were home? <laughs> I don't in, like know. Utah Valley area. There could at be all? In a, a big reunion with Martins at BYU. If you were yeah, there, I, I think I went to one of those. I don't remember when it would, it would have been like right after my mission though, because I remember like some specific girl going with me and, and that didn't last long. So I, I so it would have been right after my mission. <laughs> All I right. Well, let's, um, yeah. Oh yeah. And how have, have you listened to any, who did you I, listen I to? I have, I've listened to quite a few of them actually. Um, I may have missed a couple here and there, but I've missed, I've listened to most of them. Yeah, some of those guys I don't know at all. Yeah. So, you know, they they were newer than me and then um yep. you know, obviously like Paulson was my group mm-hmm. and some of those other guys, so I know them fairly well. Yeah, I did a, a bunch of people. Paulson's the only person that's uh older than me on the mission. Everyone mm-hmm. else is either a contemporary in a group next to mine or one of my companions yeah. that have been younger, a year younger. Right. Well, let's let's um Let's start with the the day with where, after you get home from the mission. Where I've been, right? Yeah, where you've been. A uh, uh, Reader's Digest guide okay. of the last thirteen, no, tw- twelve years now. Who knows? Eleven. I don't know. I'm an old man now. I know that. <laughs> so, um, what do you do when you get home? So, I got back in December, um, just like days before Christmas. Uh-huh. I know. I know. Paulson mentioned our group. Got went home like right before Christmas, or there were like a couple guys that chose to stay for that last month. Yeah, um, you know, was it Talmadge so. there? Is, is Talmadge in your group? 
Yeah, Talmadge was in my group. Uh, he was Wagstaff back yep. then, you know, back in the day. And then um, Cephalo, yep. Novak. Yep. Um, the Cephalo's from Brigham City. We went Kimura. to high school together. Me yeah. and Cephalo and Carr all went to the same high oh, school. Oh, really? Carr, yeah. yeah, Carr was in my group. Kimura, um, those Dane, those guys. Mm-hmm. So we had a big group. It was, I think it was one of the larger groups that came, like, from the all together like from one district or whatever like yeah. it was it was pretty large lots lots of lots of gringos so we only had like two or three brazilians in so the, did in you the have whole... one christmas on the mission then i did <laughs> you punk <laughs> i know right you believe it it's awesome and i think i was in i want to say i was in campina grande We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. All right. What did you do after the mission? Okay. So I got home in December, um, did the Christmas thing, whatever. And I started school at um, UVSC like right in January. Okay. Um, and at the time I was um, – I kind of started dating some girl that I knew from before. Um, from when I went to Utah State before my mission. Who's that? Oh, which, obvi- which obviously <laughs> was a bad idea to okay. go to school before my mission because I did really, really bad. Oh, I, everyone does. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think my GPA was like a 2.3 or something like that. I mean it was so bad. It almost destroyed my entire future. You went to, that- Logan, you went to Logan for the first year? Yeah. Freshman yeah. year? Yeah. And then um, – so anyway, I, got, I, I knew some girl that had – that was still up there and I started dating her a little bit. Um, and then, you know, I was taking classes at yeah, UVSC and I was kind of driving back and forth sometimes, uh-huh. not super often, but you know, enough. And then, um, then let's see, I was living, I was living with my younger brother. So my younger brother, um, was, what. Well, almost two years younger than me, not quite. Um, but so he was living in Utah Valley area in these like crummy apartments over by UVSC. Okay. And the reason why he lived there, cause it was not BYU approved. Right. And he was smoking and stuff like that. So we couldn't live anywhere that was BYU approved because, <laughs> you know, good old BYU has their BYU approved housing. Right. But basically all that did, it was it forced all the druggy kids into the same neighborhood. So it was like this place, it was built kind of like a penitentiary. It's got like a courtyard in the middle with basketball courts and then like all the apartments are around the outside of it. Okay. It's kind of bizarre place. But anyway, I lived there with him and um, a whole bunch of druggy kids that lived in the complex. But it was right down the street from UVSC. Sure. Um, and close to the end of that semester um, – I ended up cheating on my girlfriend with someone else and then calling her and telling her about that and breaking up with her. Um, and then, um, you know, foreshadowing that the new girl would later become my wife. But, um, yay. That, and, yay. <laughs> so, so it all works out. Yeah, it was great. No hard feelings, right? Yeah, it's um, hard to come back to a freshman year girlfriend after two years away. I yeah. Don't know. See, and, and she, I'd never really even dated her before. I just, like, knew her before. But 
anyway, it was the distance. I'm not a long distance kind of guy. Wasn't there and, like a girl? Was it you? I think it was like you and Royer or something dated the same girl before the movie. Yeah, yeah. Actually, he had. Dated and I her knew for, that girl. It was like Janica. <laughs> Dan, Janica, yeah. yeah. I want to say like Annika or Janica. Yeah, it was or Janica. She went to my okay. freshman year. What is BYU? So because he, I did a summer semester at BYU, <laughs> yeah. uh, between high school and Utah State. Okay, and that's where I met her. Yeah, but I, I didn't really. I mean, he dated her like for years, so they were like <laughs> really a thing. And then when she went off to school, they kind of broke up and stuff. Yeah, and, and I, I she had a couple boyfriends during freshman year. Yeah, my, and I didn't really this redhead like, kid in my on my floor. <laughs> <laughs> I never really spent much time with her. I mean, I hung out with her a little bit, but not like nothing significant. It's such a weird coincidence. Though. I know, right? Same it's thing such happened a... with uh, West and uh, uh, Mayorga. They dated the same. Oh, yeah? Well, no, it was – no, shoot. No, it wasn't Mayorga. It was West and Miera. Huh. Do, you, do you remember Miera? I remember the name. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible like I don't remember hardly anything at all or anybody I don't keep track of people like I'm like Facebook friends with a bunch of people but I never talk to them at all no. and you know anyway I'm a bum <laughs> but, but so at the end of that semester at Utah State I went to Kansas City to live with my older brother for like just for the summer okay and Really, for no particular reason. It what was city like in Kansas City? In Kansas City itself. Okay. So Kansas City, Missouri is where. Well, yeah, I'd have a. My grandparents are from Raytown. Okay, have, he lived in Raytown at the time. Oh, nice. It's just kind of right by the stadiums, uh -huh. basically. Um, but so I went and lived with him, kind of just for fun that summer, for a few months, um, and during that time. Um, my younger brother actually died of a drug overdose. Which one? My younger one that I had that been you lived with? living with. Yeah. Oh, man. It was like – it had to be like a month and a half after I was out of that apartment. And his new roommate just like found him OD'd in his bed one morning. Oh, so uh, I know. Yeah. So we came back to to Utah obviously for like funeral services and stuff yeah. like that. and. Um, and at that time, the girl that I had kind of started hooking up with at the end of the semester was still around. So she spent a lot of time with the family during that, and I started introducing her as my girlfriend, and then that kind of stuck like that. But so anyway, it was a, it was a, a yeah story. it was it was a sad sad situation. But actually, you know what it it really um, it really brought the family together. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a weird thing to say. Um, I know one of the elders was – one of the other guys you talked to was talking about his dad, how his dad had passed away. Yeah, Croshaw. Yeah. And then um, – and I didn't know that story at all. But how he was talking about how you know it really like united the family mm -hmm. and all this. Like, yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. It's, it's a very weird thing. But you know, he had had some hard times with the rest of the family. Yeah, and he had kind of started coming back from that, and things were finally like getting good again for him and the family. So, you know, it was it wasn't it was obviously a sad experience, but it was a very like 
building experience for the family. So kind of interesting. Um, so I ended up going back to Kansas City for the rest of the summer, coming back to Utah State. Not Utah State. Sorry, UVSC. UVSC in Provo. Yeah. Yep. And who did I live with then? At some point, I lived with my sister. And then at another point, I lived with Royer in that basement apartment below Paulson and Amy. Yep. I've been to that house. So, yeah. So he had talked about being married and living upstairs uh-huh. from me and, and Royer. Uh-huh. So I don't remember the time frame on that. But at some point, I lived down in that basement. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. That was that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, but it was weird. Yeah, and Royer's parents owned that house yeah. or something. So uh, I lived there, and I worked and went to UVSC for a little while. Um, I got engaged in December of that year, so almost just about a year after I got home. Okay. Got engaged in December, and then um, got re- married in May. Okay. So, which is a long time for yep. us Mormon guys, you know. It's a longer engagement. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, <laughs> six month engagement, that's crazy. So, um, you talk to anyone else and they're like, yeah, I've been engaged for two years. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, so anyway, so we got married in May and then um, lived in a condo over by UVSC. Um, and I did some more school there. She finished school. Um, a bachelor's. She was working at that New Ways building okay. down like the Springville area, right? Yep. She finished school that December, and we decided to move to Kansas City at that time, so that we could claim we were moving for work, and I could get automatic in-state residency for school in Kansas City because I was technically dependent on her. So, and we did that because Kansas City had a dental school that I wanted to go to. So, and Utah didn't have did you already school. finish your undergrad then? Or were you just I was transferred still in my to. Undergrad. Okay. Yeah. I was still in my undergrad and I transferred for like the last two years um, to go over to UMKC in Kansas City. Okay. Um, so, we did that, transferred out there, um, started dental school in Kansas City in 2009. Okay. Um, what year did you get married? May of 2006? Six, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so then we, we moved there. I finished some school out there. In 2009, I um, went on to the dental school there. In 2010, in April, my first son, Boston, was born. Um, so he was April of 2010 mm-hmm. and, um, he was actually adopted. So he was born in, um, what, what's that place called? Um, St. Gerardo. <laughs> what's your, I don't know. Where's that at? St. Gerardo, St. Gerardo. I don't know. Anyway, it's like, <laughs> it's like a corner of Missouri on the other side of St. Louis from where I live oh, okay. in Kansas city. Um, Anyway, so he was born out there, and we were down there when he was born at the hospital. It was basically my spring break and going into my finals week oh. of my first year of dental school when he was born. Oh, no. <laughs> so that was, that was a little rough, but then I had all summer to hang out. Yeah. Because in dental school, the first summer you have off, and then after that, you're pretty much year-round. You're working. So I had, I had um, that summer to hang out with him, and that was good. Um, and then – in 
August of 2011, my second son, Gray, was born on my birthday. <laughs> nice. Which, which is not cool. Come on. That's my birthday. Now it's his birthday forever, you know? <laughs> but um, so he was born on my birthday in 2011. On, um, and that was like during my third year, beginning of my third year of school. Um, finished dental school in Kansas City. Um, decided to do a pediatric dental program. Moved to the eastern shore of Maryland, where I did my residency out there. So I was about 30 minutes from Ocean City, Maryland, and the beach and all that good stuff. Yeah. So that was fun. It was kind of sucky not being anywhere near a major airport. It was like two and a half hours from the Baltimore airport. (laughs) But um, very cool place to live for a little while, be East Coast and go to D.C. and do all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. So I did peds out there, and then um, right before we moved from there, my son Cole was born, and um, he's about ten months old now. Okay. So and then, so I have three boys. Three boys. And then in um, July of this past year, 2015, I moved from there to Santa Fe. Okay. Yeah, because I was we were going to have a podcast last summer. You're like, I'm moving. I'm not ready for the podcast. Yeah, I was like, "Ah, I'm right in the middle of a move. Yeah, so I had to I had to stay through like the very last day of June and then I was free to go. So I drove out here. My brother actually owns a pediatric dental practice out here and I'm working with him. Okay. So it's cool. It's fun. So what do you got going on? Are you like in a in a the room that you're in, you got these lounger chairs and the theater. Oh yeah, this, this yeah, this is my movie room. Okay, so my movie chairs. <laughs> you can see a projector. Is right this up. just a bedroom? Because that's yeah, a closet. It's a spare bedroom. <laughs> that's yeah, that's great. A, there's a projector sitting up the there. The surround sound. Oh yeah, there's, look at that. There's the screen. It's 120 inches. Uh-huh. You know, it could go bigger, but you know, it works. <laughs> so yeah, this is my movie room. It's a spare bedroom, but. It's nice. Yes, I'm just lounging here in the in the theater, you could say. <laughs> I like it. So, but uh, but yeah. So um, we have a dental practice out here. Um, it's big. It's busy. Yeah. Um, work in the hospitals and and in the and in the office, and we're building a new office right now. That's going to be about twice as big as anything we're in right now. And um, moving out of the other offices into this one. I know some dentists that get that have great hours that hardly ever work. And then some like stay crazy hours and stay way late. Yeah. So, yeah and and it, it kind of depends on what you're doing and, and your demographic and all that. For me, New Mexico is like one of the poorest States there is. Yeah. Santa Santa Fe is interesting because you have like these really rich people and you have a ton of really poor people and there's not a lot of in between. Yeah. You got all the so, Los Alamos and the lab people. Yeah. Yeah. And then like there are areas uh, like the housing market in Santa Fe is crazy. You cannot find a house with three bedrooms, a couple thousand square feet. That's less than four hundred thousand dollars. It just doesn't exist. And then, you know, most of the houses that you're looking are six to one point five million to whatever else. So it's, it's just a weird market. Like it's it's crazy. So. Um, 
So Santa Fe's nice, um, but the the general population's super poor. So our demographic is like Medicaid kids. Yeah. You don't have to take the Medicaid, but sixty percent of the state is on Medicaid. So if you don't take it, you're limiting your practice quite a bit. Yeah. And then um, the private pay or the insurance patients can't afford to go to the hospital because they have to pay so much out of pocket and co-pays and everything that they just can't even afford to do it. So almost all the hospital treatment is Medicaid patients, and we do about 40 hospital cases a month. So we're doing a ton of work in the hospitals. And then um, – you know, and then the practice is super busy. But again, with peds, nothing you're doing is very high dollar. You're not getting paid very much for anything. So you just have to do a whole lot of it. Yeah. So with general dentistry or with, you know, some of those other things, you're doing more high dollar procedures. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of limit. Like I have friends that friends work like and three and a half days a week. Yeah. And that's like their their practice. And we're five days a week. I mean, we're like. 8.30 to 4 with an hour lunch. So it's not like – it's not a terrible schedule, <laughs> but it's still five days a week, you know? <laughs> so. So yeah, you're, yeah, I work four tens. So I go in at uh, – I start at 6. I leave here at 5.30, wake up at 5.13. <laughs> and I get home at a – I leave at 5, so I'm there for 11 hours. Okay. And then you get, I get Friday off. An hour. No, it's only half, 25 minutes or so. Okay. In the blazing hot sun. Sure. Well, right now I'm I'm going to work at dark, in the dark, and I'm coming home in the dark. So. <laughs> that sucks. And I'll do the sun. Yeah, I, I was out early today. I was at the hospital today. So on hospital days, you've got to be there basically by like 7. So you get out a little bit earlier. But um, – and then most hospital days, you go to the hospital, you do your thing, and then you just go home or you just you know do whatever else. I went back to the office and helped out because we had a third guy who just left. So right now there's the two of us, and we have two offices. One is eight chairs and one is three chairs, and the new <laughs> office is going to be 14 chairs, but there's still only two of us. <laughs> so it's – You've you got know, a bunch and, of hygienists and, and people that uh... – Radar yeah, technician so people. a ton of assistants that do most of the work. Yeah. Uh, again, with PEDS, you only make money by seeing high volume. So we have, you know, 40 patients a day, and it's just like constantly moving. So That's good. It's fun. It keeps him busy, and it's fun to work with, with him. And then I have a friend from dental school that we've convinced to move out here from Missouri in, July, in June. He's going to be coming out. Cool. And he'll be out here full time. So that'll help. But um, – but yeah, so that's what's kind of going on with us. Any uh, significant like church callings in the last 11, 12 years? Um, I don't know. Not really. I got put in as ward mission leader in my last ward. Mm-hmm. Um, in Maryland? In Maryland. And I was like, oh, man, ward mission leader, really? And they were like, oh, we want to do this and this. And they had like all these like huge plans. And two weeks later – we went to church and they're like, um, we're going to combine the wards. There were two wards. <laughs> yeah. They decided to recombine them and they released everybody in my ward. Nice. Like, so if you're in the first ward and you had a calling, you no longer have a calling. <laughs> and everyone in the second ward retained their calling. No way. Until they could like figure out what they were going to do. Uh-huh. It was so weird because it was just like out of nowhere. 
So it was just like so bizarre. Yeah, we have the opposite problem here in my neighborhood. I've lived in this ward and we split the ward and then we split the ward again. And and both times I was in the brand new ward. And so the bishop had to call everyone from scratch. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you never know what they're going to throw at you. You know, you're just like, okay. So now uh, uh, I'm I'm the default primary pianist. Oh, there you go. Because the, uh, the primary pianist that has that calling <laughs> is never there. So they just ask me every week. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm at, I, I guess I'm, I'm first counselor in the elder scorn right now. I don't know if you call that a, a fancy calling or, you know, important but um but that's I'm, what it is i've never had so, an important calling i've only been yeah, in, like no, no. reblows and scouts and I, stuff. I, I keep i keep rocking the blue <laughs> shirt or the whatever else so so you can't get called to pass <laughs> so i can't get called to like sit on the stand every week or something uh-huh. you know? and then um the our, our ward out here is actually really nice oh good in santa fe it's santa fe itself it's all one ward okay so um but it's pretty good and actually, who was it? Mecham, who's a podiatrist. Yeah. We have a big podiatrist group here in our ward, and there's like five or six guys. <laughs> and every year they're adding more podiatrists. And um, every year we're trying to add more dentists. So there's kind of like this rivalry between the podiatrists and the dentists. So. Yeah, in my ward, it's a bunch of lawyers. Like yeah. all, all these lawyers like work together or bring in their friends, and they all live in the- huh. Yeah. I'm just a government employee. <laughs> You're like, I'm just drawing Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Magellan and those guys, they did a pretty good job. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's go back to uh, you got okay. your call to Juan Pessoa. I got the call, Juan Pessoa. You, you're right. on the airplane. Who are you sitting next to? Who's the first? On the mem- airplane. I actually, um, this is good. I actually, in my journal, I actually wrote about this because it was like this day. So I sat next to Elder Dane. Okay. Remember Dane? Yeah. That was probably the most time I ever spent with Dane yeah. because he wasn't in my room in the MTC and he wasn't um, – and I almost like never saw him in the mission at all. Was he not in your district? He was, but I was in like a separate room in the MTC. Like our district was split up. Oh, in the so you, in the in the MTC, you had the the group that went to Juan Pessoa was in a couple different districts yeah, spread across. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, so I sat by Dane on the floor. Um, Malco has a beautiful story that he likes to tell about how he saved my life because apparently I left my passport in the seat in front of me oh no way in chicago and got off the plane because we flew from utah to chicago <laughs> right and then chicago all the way down to i Sao think Paulo. yeah so um anyway supposedly <laughs> i i don't remember how this went down but supposedly he likes to bring it up to me supposedly he grabbed my passport out of the seat and he was like oh, i'm gonna have to watch out for this guy <laughs> Probably wrote my name on a note card and yep. <laughs> kept it kept it safe in his pocket. But um, but anyway, so that was like my first experience with Malcos. He uh, he you know, he saved me because I was about to leave my passport on the plane. Oh, that's the worst that, thing that, that would have been bad had I got to Brazil and not had my passport. <laughs> um, I don't remember it going down like that, but but that's how it went down. <laughs> um, and then so I sat by Dane. 
let's see, I had in the MTC in my room, because um, the district was all those guys, Kimura, Novak, yeah. you know, Paulson, that, that whole group. But in my room, I had Malco, Cephalo, Wagstaff, or Talmadge, um, Kaufman, uh-huh. and then um, a couple other guys that didn't go to our mission. Okay. So I think it was really just the five of us that came to our mission. I think so. Anyway, funny story about Malco. Who's your companion? Cephalo. Okay. Yeah. Funny story about uh, Malco in the MTC. We were sitting in like the typing class. You know, you're doing that like Mavis Beacon teaches typing in Uh Portuguese. And it was March. Because we, yeah, it was March and it was like March Madness stuff was going on. And everyone's like, oh man, I can't believe I'm missing March Madness. And, like, I remember sitting in the class, and everyone's, like, typing away, and then Malcolm stops. He's like, guys, the spirit just told me that UCLA beat, you know, whatever <laughs> whatever team or whatever. We're like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, I'm serious. Kid. And he wrote it down on a note card because he was going to check it out when he got home. He's like, when I get home, I'm going to look this up. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to look it up, and I'll, I'll let you guys know. So I, I don't know what happened to that note card. It probably sat in his pocket his whole mission because yeah. he kept very good track of things. But uh, but that was always really funny as he was like, I, you know, the spirit told me that this game just ended, <laughs> that this team won. So he, he was a funny guy, man. But he um, – I've, I've got quite a, a few stories about Malco through the through – the whole mission here, okay. but um, but that guy, like, he remembers everything. He always kept the most detailed journal, like all through his younger years mm-hmm. before his mission. That you could ask him anything, and he would be like, "Well, let's see, I I must have been, you know, at this place because this event happened on such and such day, and." You know, I remember three days before that I was here, and he remembers everything because he wrote down everything. <laughs> you know, he would write down like what meals he had. He would write down like absolutely everything in his journals, and because of that, he had like this insane memory. So it was pretty cool. That's cool. Anyway, cool guy. Um, other funny stuff about the MTC. Um, I remember going out. Remember when they like sent you out into the plaza to go yep. talk to people in Portuguese and you didn't know how and nope. you didn't know what you're saying? So bad. Cephalo and I it was me ran and Park across. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Cephalo and I ran across this guy who was just like he started crying and holding our hands and talking about how he could just feel God with us and all this stuff. And I remember at the time thinking like, oh my gosh, we just found like the greatest man in the entire world. And then like a few months into the mission, I remember thinking like that guy must have been completely wasted. (laughs) And he was just like some guy who had just been drinking all day long and he's wandering the streets and he sees some people that he thinks he can talk to. (laughs) And that was like our first contact. And oh man, we were so excited and – I was just like he was just like a drunkard, you know. Yep, he was definitely one of those guys. But but and then I remember um, convincing MTC staff to go to McDonald's for us and get us Big Macs. <laughs> we did that a couple times too, so that was good. That's our um, 
our district leader in the MTC was this guy named Gilson. Gilson. Anyway, he went to, I don't know, some other mission. But at one point, he got super pissed off at Malko because <laughs> um, Malkovich was doing push-ups in the hallway um, without a shirt on. He didn't have his garments on. Yeah. And he, this Gilson guy, he was not happy about that. And he was just like yelling and screaming at him that you have to wear them at all times and blah, blah, blah. And Malko's like, dude, I'm working out. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, he was so pissed. It was funny. That was funny. So he took himself very seriously. You know, like some of those guys that got called to be like district leaders and stuff, the MTC, they took themselves very seriously. Yep. So he was definitely one of those guys. And I think Wagstaff was his companion. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> that would be the worst to be the companion to the district leader. <laughs> but Wagstaff was, was a cool guy, so that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we left the MTC. Yeah. I might date for you um, probably in uh, February let's no, see March March the six weeks right? first area March 26th okay. 2003 I get to my first area in um, Pajisada in Natal mm-hmm. remember that area yeah my very first area um, and in my house are three Americans. Yep. Uh, Lewis. <laughs> Who was it? Lewis. Okay. Remember Lewis. Yeah. Lewis, funny guy. He and he was near the end of his mission. Sunderland. I, I saw you... Lewis. Maybe I don't know Lewis. I know there was a. Maybe it was Lewis that met us when we got. When did he leave? Do you know? Because I got there. Maybe like six months into my mission or something. I don't think it was like right right away. I don't know. I think I met him at the mission office. Like he was getting ready to go home or something. Yeah, Lewis was Lewis is a cool guy. Um, and then he was back. You know, after I got home, he was living in Utah Valley, uh-huh. and I hung out with him a little bit. We used to do these like acoustic nights. My dad used to have a band, so we had this big PA system and microphones and all this stuff. And I'd bring all this stuff over to Lewis's place, and he'd invite over just like a ton of random people from school. He'd like pass out flyers in the hallways, and all these people would show up, and they'd like play songs on the guitar, and we'd just do these acoustic nights. We did them every once in a while. So that was fun. Yeah. But uh, he was in the house with me, and Royer was his companion. Okay. And Sunderland was my companion. I don't know if you, if anyone knew Sunderland, uh-uh. um, but um, I so have these no two cap- missionaries were training at the same time, like you and Royer. Like, yeah, Royer had been there. Um, I don't know if he had been there six months before me or only like three months before. Oh, okay, me. so he wasn't brand new. But he wasn't brand new with me. He was he was before that. But um, Sunderland was a, was a strange dude. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know like how much I should say about people because I don't know who's listening to these. That's things, true. I try I not to uh, make fun of people. Listening, but no, um, I, he's not. It's mostly people that I know that are listening. <laughs> but, but he kind of had like a speech thing, so it was like Sunderland, okay. Sunderland. Anyway, but um, <laughs> he was he was a nice kid. But when he would get stressed out, he was getting close to going home. When he would get stressed out, he had a calculus book, and he would get out his calculus book and start working calculus problems. Wow. And that was like he would decompress at the end That's of the day. That's weird. I've never heard that ever. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard anybody like that. Sunderland was like – he's probably doing super well right now. Oh, sure. You know? 
<laughs> you know, but um, and I just remember the first thing that Lewis said when I got into the house. He was like, he was like, "Is it a Brazilian? Is it a Brazilian?" And I'm like, uh, "No, hey, I'm Hendrix." And he's like, "Ah, man, Royer, you're never gonna learn Portuguese." Neither <laughs> are you, Hendrix. I was like, "Ah," and he said, "And neither are you, Sunderland." But but Lewis was really good at the language. Yeah. Like he was, you know, he spoke really well. He had a good accent. Um, we were walking around in the streets, and there was this little boy that we walked by, and he's like, "What's your namey? What's your namey?" And um, his mom was sitting out there and stuff. And Lewis is like, "I mean, he was just like say it as it was, you know." He like he turned to the mom. He's like, "Your boy's uneducated." And she's like, she's like smacks her kid, you know, she was like all embarrassed and stuff. But I remember teenagers yelling <laughs> at us in the street and like swearing at us and stuff. And Lewis going over and be like, what did you say to me? What did you say to me? And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were American. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So he was like that good with the language that people actually thought he was a white Brazilian guy. <laughs> so, but um, at one point we found a small Christmas tree. And we set it out while Sunderland was in the shower and put all his stuff around it, like all the stuff out of his room all around the Christmas tree. I actually have a photo of it. Um, and he came out of the shower looking for his clothes and his shoes, and he couldn't find them. And he came out into the front room where the tree was, and we're all like, Feliz Natal! <laughs> and this was, what, in April yeah. or something? Oh, he got so pissed. He was so mad. Anyway, he he did some calculus that night, but that was <laughs> that was funny. Um, How long were you there? Point, I was there. I want to say uh, three months. Were you with the same companion the whole time? I was with, with Sunderland for most of the time. Oh, you time. were with Sunderland. I, I was with, with Sunderland. And oh, you? Sunderland. I thought you were. <laughs> no, no, I spent a lot of time with Lewis. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was you and. <laughs> If you were walking around with Lewis and Lewis is this and this and then now it's Sunderland is the person. <laughs> Funny story though. My first baptism, my very first day in the mission field, um, Sunderland had arranged a baptism for us, sure. which was very nice of him. Yep. Um, except for I didn't understand anything and he wanted me to baptize her. Uh-huh. Um, so we're at the church that evening and he's like, okay, so what you're going to do, and he's like starting to explain it. He's like, go stand over there by Hendrix and, you know, hold the hand like this and blah, blah, And he's going to say this and then you're going to lean back and he'll catch you, you know, and, and dip you in the water and bring you back up. And he's like, so, you know, we're going to practice and blah, blah, blah. Oh, and no. so we're doing this practice and all of a sudden she like throws herself backwards. And I'm, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what he's saying. And she just goes, boom, right down on the tile in the church. And she, like, starts crying, and she's all, like, hurt, and her head hurts, and she doesn't want to get baptized anymore. Oh, no. And it was it was a huge mess. She did get baptized. <laughs> sure. But that was my very first experience was dropping a girl on the tile floor. Yeah, I did memorize. Yeah, that's what Dylan did to and me. I, he gave I had me to the mem- booklet. It's like, tendo, sido, commissionado. <laughs> Yeah, and the other hard, the hardest part was like the name. Yeah, I'm like uh, Claudia de Bizarro de uh-huh. Souza de whatever. Oh man, it was a mess. Yep. But um, <laughs> Sunderland and Lewis went out to a mission conference in 
um, Jean Pessoa or something one night. Um, and Malco, his companions, I think, were the zone leaders. And he came over to hang out with me during this time. And somehow at like 10 at night, we were convinced that it was a good idea to go get some cheeseburgers, some street burgers. Um, but some cheese was, doodles. He, yeah, he was convinced that the best place to get them was close in his area, which was in um, Parque das Dunas, uh-huh. which wasn't super far away. No, but it's it was just across the uh, Immigrantes. Right, it's 10 at night and the buses aren't running. Right. So we like head out in the middle of the night to go get these cheeseburgers and I don't know. We were gone forever and we got back and it was super late and all the guys were back and they were pissed that we weren't home at the house. Um, we got in a lot of trouble for that, at least with our local peeps. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that was another Malco story. And Those then are, one last there's thing. There's some pretty good hamburger places in Parkinson's doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Going on the Amazonas. Yeah. That's good stuff too. Um, one last Malcolm story from that time period. He got his house got robbed when they were in Parking Sunas. I think it's the area they were in. Um, but they got robbed and these thieves stole like his two year supply of contact lenses. Was it the apartment up on the second story with the field in the back, up on the hill? No, it was a it was a house. It was a house. I think maybe it wasn't parking the students, but um, it was a house like closer over by the Potengi Capella. Oh, so maybe it, maybe it was a different area. Yeah, maybe it was a different area, but I don't think it was Potengi unless they moved houses. Was it Santa Rain? I know maybe that the, Santa- I know the LZs were in Santa Rain. Maybe it was Santa Rain. Anyway, he got robbed, and they stole his two-year supply of contact lenses, and they pooped on his back porch. Oh, no. <laughs> I remember him being pissed about the poop. Yeah. Because they pooped on my porch. <laughs> so <that's funny. laughs> but, and then he had to like get new lenses and all this stuff. And Did you ever great. get robbed? No. I didn't either. No. Um, so after after so Paji Sada, we actually baptized a ton of kids. Yeah. Not like nine-year-old kids. But like Just older Jones. teenage yeah. teenagers, like eighteen year old, seventeen to eighteen year old boys. Yeah, we baptized a ton of them in that first area. I want to say like eight or so. We ran into some guy in the street and started talking to him, and went home and. Then like a whole bunch of his friends came over and we just started teaching like this whole group of young men yeah. and their girlfriends. And actually a whole bunch of them got baptized. And I don't know if any of them ever stayed with the church, but you know, a whole bunch of them got baptized. That was cool. Yeah. So, um, and it kind of felt like it was one of those things that was like, I, even though I couldn't really talk, I got along with them really well. Yeah. And I felt like that was a big part of them, like at least opening the door. No, I think so. the junior has a lot to do with like – I know the senior is the most important as far as teaching and committing. Right. But the junior is definitely important in like just being friends <laughs> and bringing yeah. them to church. Because when I had crappy juniors, I didn't baptize. <laughs> right. Right. And when I was a crappy junior for most of my mission, I didn't baptize. <laughs> <laughs> I went back and forth a lot. You'll see. Okay. <laughs> but um, so after Pajisada, oh, and then um, Hamos, Ramos, Hamos, uh-huh. Fabio came in yeah. in place of Royer, and Royer went off to Mosaro, 
and Hamos came in in place of Sunderland. So when did you ever cross over with Pickett? Because Pickett had the same type of stories. He lived with Fabio and Pajusara. Yeah, and I think Pickett came in um, right. I know Lewis was in there with me and Fabio because I have pictures of that. I and should then I map out was, time frames of everyone I that I go through and see who's crossing over and where everyone is. <laughs> and then I think Lewis left, and um, and when Lewis left, Pickett came in. Is what I think. Just Pickett had some fun. And I don't know if I overlapped with him very much. Okay, but um, Ramos Ramos was kind of he was known for being kind of crazy. Yeah. And um, the very first thing he did when we moved in, when he came into the house, he's like, oh, man, we need more space. And he moved our beds into the front room of the house, right, right into the entryway. And so, you know, I remember Fabio coming home, maybe Lewis at that time, too, or maybe it was Pickett or something. And. And and just seeing these beds in the hallway and being like, what? And they were not happy about it. Sure. But um, I don't remember getting much done with Hamas. I just remember him being a source of contention in the house. And you lived with, and you lived so, with Fabio. Yeah, and I lived with, with the three of them, yeah. Okay. Um, so after that, I went to Mosero. Yay. And I went – to a bully song. Okay. And moved in with um with Royer again. <laughs> <laughs> so Royer was in my first two houses. Um let's see, that was in June. So late June, almost July, I went out to um I went out to uh, Mosado. Um, and at the time it was, um, my companion was Nascimento and Carvalho. No Carvalho. Carvalho was the other one. He was Royer's companion. Okay. And, um, when we first got there, I don't, yeah, they were even the zone leaders, I think. I don't know. (laughs) I think they were. Yeah. They were the zone leaders of the area. And we first got there and Royer and I are there. And um, Nascimento and Carvalho are baptizing, like, every single child in the city. You know, and these are, like, eight, nine-year-olds was, like, their their pool of, of teaching, you know? Mm-hmm. It was, like, every week it was, like, let's bring the primary to church. The primary was huge, and there was, like, almost no one else coming to church consistently. Yep. But um, – and there was like never really much effort to ever talk to the parents. It was just like we just wanted the kids so we could baptize them and get them in. Yep. Um, and at the time, I don't know. I was really new in the mission, all that stuff. And I remember Royer and I wrote letters to President talking about how they were only baptizing kids, and you know it just didn't feel right, and all of this stuff. You know, kind of not really understanding how the mission was working at that time. Yep. And um, Did you get a burning letter back? <laughs> no, actually, they both got sent out. Oh, really? And um, and like sent out as juniors, and they both got burned. 
and they were so pissed at us. Oh, geez. And and it went like there was like two weeks between that transfer after they were told they were getting moved out, mm-hmm. and when we were getting new companions. And um, oh, they were so pissed. And Royer and I basically spent those next two weeks together. Yeah. And they went out together, and they were still baptizing all these kids and stuff like that. And you know, like looking back at it, it's like I don't know. It was like that's not the way it should be. But at the same time, it's not like they were doing these terrible things. You know, it yeah. was like I don't know. So I think it was a lot of um, a lot of greenness on our part. You know, and being like, "Oh, what's going on here?" You know, and That's and it definitely, and it, yeah, I know, right? And it definitely, and the letters were definitely written like that. It definitely could have been handled better. Yeah. But um, oh man, I remember them getting so pissed, and Carvalho coming in and yelling at Royer, being like, "You're like Judas, and you know, you you betrayed me, and you're Judas, and you'll see, I, I will rebuild my name, and I'll do this and that." And well, that's hard because they're your first amazing. companion. You're baptizing teens and teaching right. people that understand. With me, I just came in. I was like, oh, I guess we're baptizing kids. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I guess this is how it works. <laughs> That's how it works. This is the mission. It sounds good. <laughs> they were baptizing like almost every week, but yeah. it was all like these like <laughs> barely eight-year-olds, you know? It's just like it seems kind of weird. But, um, you know, and then things like, oh, they're listening to worldly music and stuff like that, you know? Right. And, you know, turns out you realize the entire mission is. Yep. And you're like, what? Cool. <laughs> I have some music. I have some music. I'll bring my guitar. <laughs> I know exactly right, and then eventually you're like you're one of those guys. But yeah. so anyway, so I should apologize to those guys for for um, kind of throwing them under the bus like that when they weren't really, you know, uh, as bad as we made it sound out to be. But anyway, they so I was in girls. They were just baptizing. Yeah, they were just baptizing kids, and so Royer and I spent a lot of time together there. And then um, Shammy came out. I love Shammy. Shammy, Shammy and she- Dylan had the worst. Shammy, Dylan, and Salazar, they hated each other. Oh, Shammy <laughs> would refuse to come to district meetings. Like he wouldn't bring his – like Elder uh, James, I think, was his uh-huh. – he was training. And he would just stay in uh, wherever he was and didn't come to district meetings. <laughs> Shammy was he had just baptized these families and I remember someone else on the podcast talked about this whole like baptizing families thing and Shammy being like oh there should be a missionary of power celestial or something because of baptizing families it was right after that okay and then he got moved to Mosoro as my senior um and maybe even as the district leader. Was Shammy the leader. diver for that one? He was the diver. Yeah, for that one restaurant. Yeah. like the, uh, He was the diver and the male cheerleader. Yeah. Like the little fro. Uh-huh. And he loved to sing. <laughs> yep. I know Shammy. I have, I, have, I have notes in my journal about like walking around like singing to people on the streets. <laughs> and like it's funny because like the first journal entries are like, oh, this is so cool. You know, people really respond to the singing. And then after a month, it's like, oh, I can't believe we're singing again. Oh, I hate this. <laughs> so and at that time, um, since they were the zone leaders, they did a lot of exchanges. So I spent a lot of time with other missionaries yep. that kind of came and went. Um, and some of those I think I mentioned in in the journal here, but, you know, not really. I just remember people kind of coming and going. Yeah. Um, 
and spending a few months out there. I remember there were a couple girls in that area that were fairly recently baptized and they were like the strongest members in the war, but they were so pissed at us when um, Nascimento and those guys left. I remember them trying to come over to complain. And so anyway, it is what it is. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Shammy. <laughs> I don't remember who the other guy was who was in the house with us though. Shammy and someone else. But um and then at some point there was a mission conference, not a whole mission conference, but like a district zone leader conference in Juan Pessoa well where Elder Irene came out. Okay, yeah. And I remember who was it, Paulson or someone talking about that. That was yeah. right at this time, also. Paulson so I remember Pickett, Shammy Paulson, going out Paulson for remember it. that. That was right. That happened like right in June, in July, probably. Mm-hmm. Because I came the first week of August, and everyone talked about how Irene came to the MTC and it was the best thing ever. <laughs> and you just missed it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was most of the. I mean, I know we baptized some people. I don't really remember much about it. I remember that font that was out there it was like that big cement tub that was outside of the chapel. Um, yeah, Where'd I you remember go? walking around with Royer and buying, getting a lot of ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> we would go out and like hit the ice cream stand like three or four different times on a single like outing. <laughs> um, so we bought a lot of ice. It was like fifty cents. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then after that. I went to a Sioux. Okay, yeah. That's which was like the farthest what, place away. And not quite. Because eventually, like eventually I went to Sosa. Well, wasn't Hoosas farther than Sosa? Because that all went know. to the other Fortaleza mission. They got oh, branched really? off. Yeah. I think I, Asu, I know Sioux was way out there. Asu was, went to Fortaleza. I mean, it was far, but kind of in a different direction, obviously, yeah. than um, than Sosa and Patos. And Elder Casey would always talk about Asu. Really? Yeah, Asu was a cool place. My first companion out there was Ferguson, mm-hmm. and it was just me and him. Yeah, first time living the, with two. I never the, lived with two. I yeah, that was my four. first time with just the two of us. And um, Ferguson was kind of old in the mission, and he was getting ready to go home in a little while. Um and I don't remember a ton about being with him except for – do you remember – did you ever go to Asu? No. No. In Asu, there was this lady who was like known as the juice lady. And every time you'd go to her house, she'd have like these huge pitchers, like two or three pitchers full of juice. Great. And, um, That's exactly what and you I, want. <laughs> exactly. I remember her getting super offended when the missionary stopped drinking her juice because it wasn't made with bottled water. Oh, uh. You because know, when I was there, we always drank the juice, you know. Um, but she had a daughter whose name, I guess, was Andrea because I have it in my journal, who <laughs> was going through like tons of drama. Sure. And she was like, I don't know, 18, 19, something like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe 20. And um, I remember I don't know, spending a lot of time with them. And then um, I remember – her one night taking a whole bunch of pills, like a like a handful of muscle relaxers and a handful of pain pills all at the same time. And um, Ferguson basically carrying her to the hospital and us dealing with that till like two in the morning. What? Uh, yeah, it was crazy. 
Um, and then <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't remember like very much about it. I just remember that I have it in my journal about us taking her to the hospital because she was like overdosing on, on muscle relaxers and like, aspirin or something. It's like, it's like the craziest stuff. I don't even know where she got them or, or how. And I guess she took all this stuff and then she called our house and it was at night. So we were home mm-hmm. and, you know, we're just like, oh, I guess we got to go do this. And I don't know. That was weird. That's weird. I remember Ferguson getting super sick right at the end. Oh, no. Like getting dengue and being sick for like a week and a half. Yeah. And basically just like sitting in the house and and some family taking care of him. Asu was awesome because we only had two hours of church. Oh, nice. Because um, the branch, the um, the guy in charge of the branch there lived like in Mosoro, and he would come in for church, and then the elders would do everything. You'd pass the sacrament, you'd teach the lessons, you'd you know give the talks, uh-huh. you did like almost absolutely everything because there weren't enough members in the ward to do it. And then we would collect the tithing, we would send the tithing in, we did all of that stuff. Wow. Um, but church, there weren't enough members to have like three hours of church. So we had a sacrament meeting and like a priesthood relief society meeting. Okay. And the Sunday school hour was just dropped completely. Huh. So two hour church was pretty cool. We didn't live in the church. The church was like an old house, yeah. but we didn't live in it. We lived like across the street. Okay. Um, and then a few months later, Wiscombe, Vance, you remember Vance and um, Dionisio? I remember Wiscom. I don't remember Vance. Wiscom. Vance was, um, I think, a little younger than Wiscom in the mission. Um, and then um, Dionisio is a Brazilian guy from, I want to say, like Manaus or something. Yeah. Uh, kind of really nice kid, really cool guy. Um, but he was really new in the mission. He was my companion. Uh-huh. So that's when I was like a senior yeah. for like the first time for real. Um, and, and that was really fun being with, with all four this of those guys. This is an Asu? This was still an Asu. So you had four now instead of two. Yeah, now we had four. We went from the two to the four okay. when uh, Ferguson yeah. left. Yeah. Uh, and I was like the only one who knew the area and stuff like that. So that was kind of interesting, but, but it was cool. Um, I remember we spent Halloween in a zoo, and we thought it was like a good idea to have a haunted house in the church, and we did. <laughs> it was kind of intense. It was basically like the lights were off and we were screaming at people was like the whole thing. I don't know why we thought that was a good idea um, or why we went through with it, but we did. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and there were a bunch of snaky girls sure. that um, – would like I remember one of them when she was getting baptized, she wouldn't zip her stupid jumpsuit up. You have to show some cleavage while you're getting baptized. <laughs> exactly. It was like hanging halfway up and we're like, zip it up. She's like, no, no. You know, she wanted it to look good for the pictures or yep. something. And then um <laughs> but we baptized a few of those girls. And actually last I'd heard, like like at least one or two of them were actually active, which was surprising. Yeah, it's always nice to hear a surprise about a super snake that's still active. And, and what's funny is it's never the ones that you would think. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> you're just like, oh yeah, that one, right? But um, 
but they would always like do all sorts of things just to like, I don't know, just to like try and play with us. Like you'd come in to teach them and they'd have like these like, you know, porn magazines taped to the wall and stuff like that. And you're like, okay guys. Or just beer advertisements, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Same thing. right? (laughs) I remember in one of the houses, maybe it was in Mosadrao, someone had picked up a beer ad Uh in the street. And it was one of like that had this girl like changing her clothes and it was almost like time-lapse photos of this girl like changing her clothes. And at the point when she's not wearing anything, she's like turned with her back towards you. But it was like her like 360 time-lapse changing her clothes and it was like hanging up in the mission house in most of it. <laughs> yeah, of course it was. <laughs> it advertisement. didn't last too long, but it was there. But um but so with Wiscom and Advance and those guys, we played a lot of guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Wiscom does a band right now. Yeah, I actually I, I looked him up not too long ago, and yeah, he's. I remember him always saying he wanted to have a band. He's he was left-handed, mm-hmm. so he played his guitar upside down. And I remember him um, always saying that he wanted to have a band called Southpaw, um, which he doesn't, but he has a band. I think it just goes under his name. No, it's a real name, and then. And then the um, the album I think is called Southpaw. Oh, is that what it is? Something like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, and it's kind of like a um, it's folky. Yeah, like folky Americana, uh-huh. art folk, alt folk type stuff. Yep. Anyway, kind of cool. Um, but yeah, we played a little bunch of guitars. I remember recording songs on like P days. Would be like playing guitar and recording on a tape recorder and then playing that against another tape recorder and like adding in layers and layers of these songs. So that was fun. Um, I remember Dionisio at one point had like a week where he just like stopped really like talking very much. He's got like really quiet for a little while and we're just like, this is kind of weird. And then at the end of the week or at the end of this time period, he was like kind of like back to normal. And we're like, what was that all about? He's like, Oh, I just had these like weird experiences. He had this like dream or something. One night he was sleeping and he said, he felt like he woke up and he looked up and there was this line of people through the house into the backyard. And um, he kept hearing this voice that was saying, you know, come out here, come out here, come out here. And he was like, uh, no, I'm not going out there. Um, and But he like came over and like went to the window. And what he described, he saw like this big fire and like these people basically being like fed into this fire. And, <laughs> what? And, 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 and <laughs> hear me out. And, um, <laughs> And him being and hearing this voice being like, you know, come on out, come on out. And he's like, no way. And he like goes back to sleep or something. Now, maybe this is all a dream sequence, you know, but um, anyway, and then, you know, and that like really freaked him out. And then later he had another, you know, sequence where um, it was like the same voice or the same person or whatever. And it said, you know. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to bother you anymore, and um, all this stuff. Um, and basically, as he had described it to us, is he had felt like that was um, Korihor in the Book of Mormon feeding these people into the fire. And he's like, you know, that very those events 
very well could have taken place, you know, in a region like this or in this type of region in South America. We don't know, you know. And so that was like this weird experience that he had when we were in a zoo. Wow. So um, well, that would suck to be a, a Brazilian with three Americans though. That just playing guitar and having fun. And yeah, an I know, right. And and um, and he was really cool. <laughs> I think it's at least like you know, by this time I had been out for a little while, and I could speak and you know, Wiscom and Vance, and you know, so we. I think we we tried to include him and not like just do English the whole time, but at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. it just sort of happened. You know, yeah. I think like Watts was the only one I knew who was like really good about whenever there was anyone who spoke Portuguese in the area, he only spoke Portuguese. Yeah, you know, and um, so you know, so anyway, so that was interesting. Um. Let's see. I was there a while longer. We had some other people kind of rotate through. I know Cicada came through there for like a week or so. Cicada. I spent a lot of time with Cicada. <laughs> I love Cicada. He was, in my, uh, he was in the MTC with me. Oh, really? Yeah. I'd like to know where that guy is. I like I liked Cicada. I spent a lot of time with him. But um, we had some interesting times. He wanted to teach me how to play soccer. <laughs> he loves soccer. Uh-huh. Um, so, and then in my journal, I go from October, the haunted house experience, yeah. São Paulo. to February. <laughs> well, that's perfect. We're at a year. Um, I'm going to end that. I'm going to end this recording, and then I'm going to save it, and then I'm going to call you back for part two. Cool. Make sure it's recording. Yeah, I'll call you back. Metralhadora alemã ou de Israel Estraçalha ladrão que nem papel Na muralha em pé Mais um cidadão José Servindo um estado, um PM bom Passa fome metido a Charles Bronson Ele sabe o que eu desejo, sabe o que eu penso O dia tá chuvoso, o clima tá tenso Vários tentaram fugir, eu também quero Mais em um a cem, a minha chance é zero Será que Deus ouviu minha oração? Será que o juiz aceitou a apelação? Manda um recado lá pro meu irmão Se tiver usando droga, tá ruim na minha mão Ele ainda tá com aquela mina Pode crer, moleque, é gente fina Tirei um dia menos ou um dia mais Sei lá, tanto faz, os dias são iguais Acendo um cigarro e vejo o dia passar Mato o tempo pra ele não me matar Homem é homem, mulher é mulher Estuprador é diferente, né? Toma soco toda hora, joelho e beijo os pés E sangra até morrer na rua 10 Cada detento, uma mãe, uma crença Cada crime, uma sentença Cada sentença, um motivo, uma história De lágrimas, sangue, vidas em glórias Abandono, miséria, ódio, sofrimento Desprezo, desilusão, ação do tempo Mistura e pensa, química, pronto Fez um novo detento Lamentos no corredor, na cela, no pátio, ao redor do campo, em todos os cantos. Mas eu conheço o sistema, meu irmão. Hum, aqui não tem santo. Atatata, preciso evitar que um safado faça minha mãe chorar. Minha palavra de honra me protege pra viver no país das calças bege. Tic-tac, ainda é 9h40, o relógio na cadeia anda em câmera lenta.
mas o metrô vai passar Com gente de bem apressada, católica, lendo jornal Satisfeita, hipócrita, com raiva por dentro A caminho do centro, olhando pra cá Curiosos é lógico, não, não é não, não é o zoológico Minha vida não tem tanto valor Quanto seu celular, seu computador Hoje tá difícil, não sai o sol Hoje não tem visita, não tem futebol Alguns companheiros têm a mente mais fraca Não suporta o tédio, arruma piaca Graças a Deus e a Virgem Maria Faltam só um ano, três meses e uns dias Tem uma sala lá em cima fechada Desde terça-feira ninguém abre pra nada Só o cheiro de morte pinha o sol Um peso se enforcou com o sol Qual que foi? Quem sabe não conta E atirar mais um seis de ponta a ponta Nada deixa um homem mais doente Que o abandono dos parentes Aí moleque me diz Então cê quer o quê? A vaga tá lá esperando você Pega todos os seus artigos importados Seu currículo no crime limpo o rabo A vida bandida é sem futuro Sua cara fica branca desse lado do muro Já ouviu falar de Lucifer? Que veio do inferno com moral Um dia no Carandirupão Ele é só mais um Comendo rango azedo com pneumonia Que tem mano de Osasco Do Jardim da Bril, Pareleiros, Mogi Jardim Brasil, Bela Vista Jardim Ângela, Heliópolis Itapevi, Paraisópolis Ladrão, sangue bom Tem moral na quebrada mas por estado é só um número, mais nada Nove pavilhões, sete mil homens Que custam trezentos reais por mês cada Na última visita o Nivinho veio aí Trouxe umas frutas, malboro, free, ligou Que o pilota lá da área voltou Com cadete vermelho, placa de salvador Pagando de gatão, ele xinga, ele abusa Com uma nove milímetros embaixo da blusa E neguinho vem cá, e os mano onde é que tá? Lembra desse cururu que tentou me matar Aquele puta é grasso, pilantra é cor no manso Ficava muito doido e deixava a mina só A mina era virgem, ainda era menor Agora faz o preto e troca de pó esses papos me incomodam, se eu tô na rua é foda É, o mundo roda, ele pode vir pra cá Não, já, já, meu processo tá aí Eu quero mudar, eu quero sair Se eu tomo esse fulano, não tem pá, não tem pum Vou ter que assinar o 121 Amanheceu com o sol, 2 de outubro Tudo funcionando, limpeza, jumbo de madrugada eu senti um calafrio Não era do vento, não era do frio Acerto de ponta, tem quase todo dia Tem outra logo mais, eu sabia Lealdade é o que todo preso tenta Conseguir a paz de forma violenta Se um salafrário sacaneia alguém Leva ponto na cara igual Frankenstein Fumaça na janela, tem fogo na cela Fudeu, foi além, se pan, tem refém Na maioria se deixou envolver por um cinco ou seis que não tem nada a perder Dois ladrões considerados passaram a discutir Mas não imaginava o que estaria por vir Traficantes homicidas, estelionatários E uma maioria de moleque primário Era a baixa que o sistema queria Aviso e ML, chegou o grande dia Depende do sim ou não de um só homem Que prefere ser lento pelo telefone Tá, 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 caviar e champanhe Flori foi almoçar que se for da minha mãe Cachorros assassino, classe acrimogênio Quem mata mais a dama ganha medalha de prêmio O ser humano é descartável no Brasil Como modos usado ou bombeu Cadeia, vale o que o sistema não quis
diz Esconde o que a novela não diz Ratatata, sangue jorra como água Duvido da boca e nariz O senhor é meu pastor Perdoe o que seu filho fez Morreu de bruxos no Salmo 23 Sem padre, sem repórter Sem arma, sem socorro Vai pegar HIV na boca do cachorro Cadáveres no poço, no pátio interno Adolf Hitler sorri no inferno O Robocop do governo é frio, não sente pena Só ódio e rio como a hiena Ratatata, Fleury e sua gangue Vou nadar numa piscina de sangue mas quem vai acreditar no meu depoimento Dia 3 de outubro, diário no detento